Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 16 for Monday, May 25th, 2015, Memorial Day here in the United States. And here in the United States, New Hampshire, specifically Durham, I'm Dave Hamilton. Out in Las Gatas, California, it's Paul Kent. Happy. Are we supposed to wish each other happy Memorial Day? I'm not I'm not ever sure about that on Memorial Day because it's yeah, I don't know. You know, we take a day to remember the, uh, the all the people and, and celebrate the people who have served for us. So I'm not I'm not sure if happy is the thing, but it does turn out to be a happy day. It, it It's a day off. And uh, that's how it works for most of America. I think I think it's like a day. You're supposed to have remembrance. Yes. And then you're also, you know, the celebrating part is actually okay because it is the result of the service of those people who wanted us to have this freedom that we're able to do the things we love to do. And so, uh, I think it's, I think it's both of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of celebrations, my friend, did you play any gigs this weekend? Yep. The house walkers, house rockers were back in action this weekend. We, uh, first time quite a while, uh, I think three weeks since we played last and, uh, we were a little rough, but we had great energy. We had a great time. The band was fun and we also had a great crowd. We've been lucky. I don't know if you have this in your area, but in this area, there's a lot of these, they're called meetup groups. So they're kind of self-organized people. Maybe that, you know, they're recently divorced or something like that. Sure. And they just, you know, form these social groups and they go out and do stuff together, whether it's go hiking or go have lunch or go out dancing. And there's this one pretty sizable group that's kind of, latched onto us. They like what we do and they come and see us at this one place. It's not a terribly big place to begin with. They brought about 50, 60 people to this gig. So we had a built in fan base for this gig that, and the dance floor was full from the moment we hit downbeat to the very last encore. It created a great vibe, really smoothed over the rough edges, but everyone in the band was kind of looking over saying, Oh yeah, yeah, we got a little bit of work to do because next week we start our very busy season. Okay. And so this was a good gig to, everybody to make the mental notes of the stuff they got to fix and, yeah. and smooth over. And, and we, it couldn't be a better one because, you know, it could have been the other way if nobody was there and every, every error was, was, um, yeah. Echoed mag- off the walls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And magnified. Then, then it gets in your head and you're like, Oh God, it's going right. to be one of those years. But we, we benefited from a great crowd. We had great energy. The thing that's really fun for me about well, the house rockers now, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. It, finish we, yeah. We've turned over almost half of our whole show. I mean, we have almost 50% of our show is new music this year. That's great. Yeah. That that's keeps it fun. That's good. Yeah. Wow. That's good, man. I'm glad because this weekend, right. Memorial day weekend is typically the, one of the worst weekends to play gigs. Uh, which, which, what night was your gig? Was it Friday or Saturday? Saturday is typically the, the worst night in, in my history anyway. Yeah. It was Saturday for us. We had a packed yeah. crowd. Yeah. That's great. Well, it, you know, it, cause it easily could have gone the way of nobody in the room and then you're totally self-conscious about everything, even if it's perfect. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, good. Good. I'm glad to hear that, did, man. That's did you play? One. I did. I had one gig this weekend on on Saturday night and it was at a club. It was the second time we've been at the club and going in. I had, you know, we even um, this club is and I've got a little story about it. But, you know, like any club, they're always eager to have uh, the place full. And and so whenever we have gigs, really, it's just the Saturday of of Memorial Day and the Saturday of Labor Day weekend. Those those tend to be horrible uh, nights in a general sense. So. We always make sure the club is aware that, okay, well, we'll play, but you're booking us on, you know, a a traditionally bad night. And we had a really good night the last time we were there. 
So, uh, so we went in, but there were like you, we, we sort of were blessed with a, uh, a wonderful crowd. There were three weddings that happened in, in Portsmouth that all kind of funneled out into this place. They, in fact, they all said, well, uh, the band at the wedding kind of stunk and, and we heard there, there, we heard there was a decent band starting late here. Our gig was a late start. It was a 10 to 10 to one or 10 to 1230 gig. So, yeah. um, so we picked up that crowd, which we usually do at this particular club. So, so it, in that sense, it, it worked out really well. Um, two things about it though, that, that, you know, that as a working musician, it, it, it there's, there's interesting dynamics. The first was. Earlier this week, you know, our uh, the guy who does our, our our bookings in the band, he emailed the club just to make sure we were synced up on load in times because with a late gig, you know, the, the really it, it starts late because they like to keep the dinner crowd in there. And so you can't take up the space of the dinner crowd until the right time. So we always like to, you know, just reach out, make sure we're showing up at the right time and all that good stuff. And they confirmed the times and then said, hey, you know, make sure you uh, you promote the heck out of the gig. And, and, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, it is your club. So we started looking, what, what is it that you're doing to promote the gig? And, you know, their Facebook page hadn't been updated since October. They didn't post anything in the local, you know, rags that, that write about music. There there was, as far as we could tell, and this is not, I don't, I mean, I'll single this club out because it, it works for this example, but this is very typical, right? A lot of clubs don't do any work promoting and it's, it's very interesting that they wouldn't even bother. In fact, I said to him, I said, well, you know, we have our, here's our, here's the event on Facebook. We've already created it. Just link to it from your page. I mean, it's, this is one stop shop, right? You, you hit a button and you walk away and at least it promotes it to your crowd. I don't think they did that. Um, and it's just, wow. it, yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it, it should be at the very least, it should be a two way street, but really the way I look at club gigs is it's the club's crowd that we're coming to play to. If we're going to bring our crowd all over the place, we'll organize an event that we know works at the right times. And we've talked about this, you know, we, we know our crowd. Typically our crowd isn't a 10 o'clock crowd. Um, we are building up a 10 o'clock crowd as it turns out, which is good. And, and maybe that'll work out, but um, it, you know, it, the club should be, I would think that, and this club does very well, uh, you know, they pay well They They, they, when you get there, I mean, everything they do, is great for bands, except they just don't do any promotion about it, which is just weird to me. It's weird that they're successful with it without, you know, without having to do any of that. I guess that's a good, Oh thing. yeah. You know, I got a good one for you. My yeah, brother, he started a band in Atlanta and, uh, they're just starting up. They're just starting to get their stuff together. They've done a bunch of showcases. This one club in their neighborhood, in their town, they'll do like a showcase thing where they'll have 10 bands that get to play three songs each on a Friday or Saturday night. I mean, I don't, I don't even know how they get them all on stage and off stage, but he's got this one gig he wants to do in a, in a bar. They make the bands Tuesday night is audition night, Tuesday night. And, you know, basically they're not so much judging you for your, for your musical prowess, but how many people you can get out to drink on a Tuesday freaking night. That's, that's a, that's a tough haul. I did maybe when, no, not even when I was younger, I have a play. I have played exactly one of those come audition for our club and, you know, play for free gigs. Um, and I knew it was a mistake going in and it wasn't that long ago. It was maybe two years ago. Uh, our guitar player was like, Oh, it'll be a great club for us. We should really do this. And, and it was even like a, a Friday night or Saturday night, but it was a Friday or Saturday. It was a weekend night in the, in the winter time for a club that really would only be packed in the summer. It, you know, we have, you know, the, the, I live really near the, 
the seacoast here in New Hampshire and, and northern Massachusetts. And so there's a lot of places that are just kind of tourist and summer towns. And, and in the winter, nobody's there. So they they bring bands in on the weekends to audition. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is not a bad formula if you can sell the concept to people. And and as I said, they did sell it to us. Um, it was a weird thing. It, we yeah, it was it was not good. I mean, we played really well. And and then we got to the set break and asked them. So what do you think? They're like, well, we're 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 not here to make a decision tonight. It's like, OK, well, do you want us to keep playing? And it got really weird. They said, well, uh, if you want to keep playing, you can keep playing. But that's not up to us. I'm like, no, no, pretty sure it is. It, this is your yeah. club. You know, I I'm not going to just set up my stuff in somebody's club and play against their wishes. <laughs> you know, this it was really weird. I don't know. The vibe got got extremely strange. Uh, so we didn't we, we just packed up and left. Actually, <laughs> I would love to hear from listeners about who has a who has a great relationship with a great club. You know, I, I'd like to hear about the great clubs out there yeah. that do it right. You know, so you have a you have a club that does it 80 percent right. I've got, you know, the one club we play in our town here. They've got a nice place. They publicize, but they're real. I think I was telling you, we play the bands play seven thirty to ten fifteen, and then the DJ comes in at ten thirty and plays until one thirty, and and the audiences reflect exactly that. Like right about nine o'clock, the you know the crowd mingles for a little bit, but you know when the band is done, the crowd that came to see the band is out of there because yeah. you know the younger crowd is coming in for DJ music and and. Uh, and and that's a real vibe there, but they do a lot of things right. And and the nice thing that the owners are great. Our deal there is, and because we've earned this, you know, we we basically take the door because sure. he doesn't do a lot for the bands, and his you know he's been really cool about if if you're going to do the work, you can have the money. Yeah. Well, it, we have, uh, you know, I talked about this club, and like you're 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 right. It's about eighty percent. I mean, I'm I'm nitpicking on one thing, but it's a it's a significant enough thing that it should be you know nitpicked. But we do have another club, the one where we've uh, been doing a lot of our own shows. In fact, we've got one coming up in uh, just less just less than two weeks, June sixth. We're doing a another fling fest there called the Stone Church, and they do it a hundred percent right, and they promote everything everywhere, um, and they bring in some you know. Uh, kind of i don't know whatever c or d level kind of touring acts kind of thing it's it's a relatively small room um in that sense but uh but they totally do it right and they really support the whole local thing they they support families coming in it's great it's great actually I, maybe i should get abby on the show that she'd be it'd be interesting to talk to her about about her side of it that would be that yeah. Would be, yeah 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 but um so i i have a a second story about our gig um uh, the first time we played there, we set up, you know, you're set, we're setting up in a, in a, a dining room in kind of a corner of a, a dining room. And so sound is, it's not built for sound. And it was our first time there. And we had our keyboard player set up in a way where right behind him was a little alcove with a window. And we didn't, I didn't really think about it. We set everything up and we were having this really weird EQ issue with some low end feedback that just didn't make sense for the room. And it took a long time for me to finally figure out because his mic is never one that feeds back. He uses in ears, right? So there's never even a monitor near him. And so it's just not the first thing we would go to. In fact, it's exactly the last thing we would go to. And so Mm -hmm. it was, and it took us a while to sort it out. And we finally did, we finally got it and everything was fine. But because of that, this time when we went in, we were very conscious about how we set up and, and made sure we didn't stick him in front of that alcove. Even though we knew the magic answer, we still didn't want to deal with it. You know, um, the better magic answer is avoid it. 
and and we got everything sounding great and we you know we had the pa nice and punchy and all that good stuff and uh, as always with the club once i once we got set up i said to the to the manager um you know she came up and was you know we were just chit-chatting and i said look you know let us know if it's too loud or if there's anything you know i said we're we're not one of those bands that gets egotistical about volume if if it's too loud for your room you just tell us and we'll turn down it's no big deal and i said and i even and i always say this to people but i mean it i said it we don't take offense if you tell us twice you know (laughs) and most people appreciate that because some bands you know i hear you know they get they get really bent out of shape she's like oh that's great to hear she said we literally had to pull the plug on a band a couple of weeks ago oh that's not that's bad I mean, that's just bad form if a band pushes it that far, right? You know, if they're telling you it's too loud, it's too loud. Yeah. So, um, two songs in or something, I saw her come up and she mentioned something quick to our guitar player and it was a very, you know, seemingly friendly exchange and, and she left and he came and he said, did you hear that? And I said, no, no, no. He said, uh, it's no big deal. She just, he said, just turn the mains down. And I said, okay. And, and then I noticed he just kind of walked back up to his mic or whatever and I, and we did, we brought the mains down, which is, which would not have been normally have been my first um, response to that question. But I turned to everybody else and I said, uh, I said, you know, we've got to turn down. Okay, fine. And I turned back to him who had relayed the message to me and I said, uh, you too. And he said, no, she said, just turn the mains down. <laughs> it's like, well, how does she know what we're running where right. you know, she came up and told us it's too loud in her way. That means we all have to. He's like, oh, I didn't realize. You know, like, wow, that was weird. You know, we've been doing this seven years together. How did you? How did, <laughs> how did that not translate? But typically, you know, if um, if somebody comes up, and, and the reason I turned the mains down specifically with her is because she said she she used that word right. Most people are just going to say it's too loud. Um, she said, turn the mains down. And, and, in, and in that club, we were basically running just vocals and some keys in through the mains that most of the guitars weren't there. We have some of them, they're gated pretty heavily. And, and so solos will come out, but otherwise that it's pretty much just vocals and, and keys and a little kick drum, um, in that club. So I brought, I did bring the vocals down a little bit, but typically when somebody comes up and says it's too loud, oftentimes my first inclination is to turn the vocals up. And the reason for that is in, again, you know, most of the time what, what someone means when they say it's too loud is it doesn't sound good. And a lot of times doesn't sound good means the vocals aren't projecting enough. Now I knew in this club, our vocals were really present. I, you know, I'd really tuned the system well. And, and even though I had some headroom, I still was pushing them pretty good. So, uh, so when they said, turn it down, I thought, okay, yeah, it probably makes sense to bring the vocals back a little bit. And I heard some recordings from the night and, and, and it was the right move. The vocals were, were more than enough, even well after that. So, but, um, but yeah, I, you know, that that's, I guess you don't deal with that cause you've all, you've got a full-time sound guy in, in, in the band you play in. But, um, but that, that's always been my experience is, you know, create too loud means, not enough separation between the instruments and the vocals is usually what that means to me. Hard to do with the amount of time you usually have to mm-hmm. dial things in though. I mean, you know, you're, you're fighting inertia when you're trying to get a, an event. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just very difficult to dial in. When good sound is a bonus. <laughs> it, it is. It helps. Though. I mean, you use one of those digital mixers like we do. Right. And so you know, the whole gain structure of each individual channel can be tweaked ahead of time 
right? You know, you're, you, you have that guy singing into that microphone a hundred percent of the time. So you can build a much better, uh, at least a much better foundation in terms of gain and, and a little compression and all of that stuff it, far more than I would ever do, you know, even five years ago with just a standard board, I would never run compression on vocals at a live gig. A well, you can, but philosophically you, the room changes over time in a club gig. I mean, it's totally. usually a little lightly, right. And yeah. it's a moving target. I actually, you know, with the 16 piece band, we actually have started doing a lot less and letting a lot more stuff just play acoustically in some of these smaller clubs instead of trying to control everything totally. and actually get a mix and, you know, just getting the things that absolutely have to be amplified that don't have any amplification, right. uh, running those through and, and letting the band mix itself, which by the way is a really, really awesome exercise for playing with people. I mean, talk about having to learn to listen to people. If you know that, you know, you're accountable now. You're not giving up control that you're part of the solution as well as part of the problem. Yeah. It kind of changes the way a band plays together. Well, it, it, I think no matter how you're doing the sound, whether it's, you know, j- like we were doing the other night, just running vocals through a PA, like you said, just the, 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 the absolute necessities, right. Versus, you know, a big room where you might need some reinforcement on the guitars and the, and the bass, even though there's amps on stage, I think in either case, it's up to the musicians to blend the the band's mix on stage because how would you reinforce something that you know it's better to start with a good product and just reinforce that as opposed to trying to fix some problem because one person is too quiet or too loud in the beginning i mean I, you know but that's i don't know i i that's that's my philosophy on it you got to you got to be able to control yourself before you can ever expect somebody else to to be able to make you sound good but it's it's difficult i mean no matter how experienced you are you're either in a comfort zone where you're used to giving up control and saying look I'm, you know i'm just going to play you tell me where i need to be right. or or you know you're in an environment where you're accountable for it and, and it's a, it's a good exercise for everybody especially if you're just starting up to understand what the problem is and be part of making the solution. And and it actually, it makes you think more about your playing, think more about your tone, think more about how you're playing with other people. I mean, you know, those guitars who want to just turn it up to 15 and make their solo stand out. Do they ever go back down to eight? I don't, you know, a lot of them don't. Right. Well, and that's, you know, our drummers go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Our, you know, our drummers, you know, I, I think I told you this. I have a friend who's a, who's a professional sound guy in front of house sound guy for touring bands. And he said, you know, even at that level, the loudest thing on stage acoustically is the drums. Yeah. Everything goes around the drums. And so how a drummer, how a drummer accepts that responsibility and what he does with that information is, is really definitive of of what type of a good citizen your band is going to be in any environment. It's true. Yeah. No, the drums define it. It, there's no there's no ifs ands or buts about that it, if if the drums are too loud and uh, frankly even if the drums are too quiet i mean it's it's rare that you find that problem in a in a rock band but i have run into it where a drummer is you know not playing confidently and is is underplaying and that's a problem too not necessarily as much of a volume problem because you can always add more but um but it's a problem in terms of the you know this the how solid the band feels together on stage but yeah yeah totally totally so it's all right inter- it's so, interesting stuff so yeah go ahead so i was thinking from memorial day i got a list here uh ultimate classic rock.com as a list of top 10 songs about war so maybe maybe a, a song about 
about soldiers and war from for uh, for Memorial Day and see if you've played any of these. Okay. All right, I'm scanning this. A lot of them are kind of weird for me, so I, I'm going to imagine it'll be weird for you as well. Number ten by the band Metallica is the song "One." I've played that. Actually, really? <laughs> uh, have we played it together? No, we played the U2 song one at the yeah, very, very different. first. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I just had to process. But I have played one by Metallica um, with a with a band. Yeah. yeah. James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich wrote one based upon a book. Johnny got his gun. The song tells the story of a World War One soldier who lost his eyes, ears, mouth and limbs. However. I had no idea that's what the song was about until right now, to be honest with you. I've never yeah. sang it, but, um, but obviously I've, I've been, been party to it being played. So, however, his mind remains intact, leaving him a prisoner in what remains of his body. Oh, see, now Which that is- sounds like Metallica. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. All right. Number nine. Uh, I feel like I'm fixing to die rag by country Joe and the fish. That's ah, oh, that's a good song. I've never played that. He played it. He played it at Woodstock, right? By uh, that was that was one of his big songs. Yeah, he would have had to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Number eight, Devils and Dust by Bruce. I haven't played that. Have you? Acoustic, I have. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Number seven, When the Tigers Broke Free by Pink Floyd. From the wall. Wow. Yeah. No, I've never played that. I don't No, I haven't. I haven't almost played a gig where we played almost played with a band that was doing the entire wall thing, but um, I wound up not doing that cake. So that'd be cool. It would be cool. Uh, yeah. Number six, run to the Hills, Iron Maiden. I think I played that in high school, man. <laughs> yeah. I was never a big Iron Maiden fan. Um, I, I had lots of friends who, who, uh, who were totally into them at the time. And then when I saw that movie that they did flight six, 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 great movie. Did you see that? Did not. So, um, oh God, I can't think Bruce Dickinson, the, the lead singer of mm-hmm. Iron Maiden is, uh, he comes from a family of commercial airline pilots and he himself is a certified, uh, large jet pilot. And when they wanted to do a world tour, they realized the only way they could do a world tour again was to fly from gig to gig and then just rent trucks to take the gear off the plane, bring it to the venue, back to the plane and go. And Bruce said, I'll fly. So he wasn't the only pilot. They had actually had three pilots that, that traveled with them, but they had this big plane. They painted up like their mascot, Eddie, and uh, and they flew it around. So it was a good movie. And I wound up kind of, you know, in while watching the movie, I enjoyed their music. I was I was in. I was a fan from the moment the movie started until probably right when the movie ended. And then um, I don't dislike them, but, but I wouldn't I've never turned them on otherwise uh, willingly. Number five, Masters of War, Bob Dylan. Never played it. Good tune. You're, number you, four. Uh, have you? I've never played Masters of War. Okay. Okay. But you're a big Dylan I, fan, right? I am. And, and that's actually not so much a, a, a song about soldiers as a kind of like an indictment of the government, which is kind of one of Bob's things. So. Right. Right. But number four, War Pigs. You have to have played that. I have. Yeah. All right. Yep. Sabbath. Yep. All right. Uh, number three, the night they drove old Dixie down. I've played that. I've played that. Yeah, I haven't ever actually learned it. I've only played it off the cuff when it, the mood is right at a gig, and you know somehow it happens. We either have a guest guest singer or you know something. But yes, I've played it. Yeah, yeah. We play that in Black Sunday Roadshow, and the funny thing is, I actually like it. The, the guy wrote uh, our horn guy. He wrote a beautiful chart for it. There's this really fabulous 
driving uh, sousaphone bass line for it that he does. And I love it, but there were several people in the band because that's one of those songs and one of those grooves and one of those stories that if you're not real careful, it gets kind of kitschy. Yeah, just a little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think kitschy is the point with that song. Um, I guess. I mean, it, it's it's what it is. But I, I like the tune. I actually, I, I, that's cool that you actually play it intentionally. Um, because, because there are some nuances to it that, that would make it fun to actually polish. So I'm, yeah, yeah that's good. Oh, that's good. Number two, War by Edwin Starr. Love that song. Yep. Yep. Do you guys play that in the house rockers? We have. Okay. I've never been able to get the vocal right. I mean, you know, so Edwin hard. Starr made it popular and Bruce sang it and, you know, had a single with it. And, um, but it's, it's a growler. I mean, you really have got to drive that song vocally. It's, and it's a very, very simple, sparse song that you have to have a band that has a very sharp attention span. You know, we played it pretty good. Um, I never really got where I wanted to be with the vocal part. And so we set it aside. Well, plus the temptations did it right. I mean, we're talking about the same song, right? I mean, I, I know they, they did it a little differently, but, but it's, um, you know, it's always tough to cover stuff that the temps did. The temps did war. Yeah. I did not know that. I knew nothing. I knew Edwin Starr is the original in 1970. Yeah. And then Bruce did it during born in the USA tour, but right. All right. No, well, the, temps, have to, the temps, I think I, I feel like the temps, I, you know, to, you, me, I, to, to me, the temps is the, the most well-known version, but, but I mean, I'm one guy. So <laughs> I think you're thinking of, of uh, ball of confusion. No, I, I I, I, the, that's, it's two different turn, two different tunes. And I'm pretty sure I, the temps did war. I'm looking at it. I have never heard of that before. All oh, right. you're right. Holy right. cow. Yeah. You, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be a better way. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, man. You got another one on me. I should know better than to challenge you on some of these things. And the number one Memorial day song, which you and I have played together to great success. Can you guess it? Uh, glory days. No, that's no, a, I guess that's on. not a Memorial day song. No, that's a, no. that's a high school reunion song. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunate son by Creedence. Oh, you know what? When you, of course, when you mentioned that this, you had this list, I'm like, well, there's gotta be one that I know we've played together because I know we've played that one together. Yeah, of course. Fortunate son. Yeah. It's a, that's a fun tune, man. It's, um, it's, I, I like the, uh, you know, it breaks down in the middle. It, because otherwise it just drives, 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 but it, it has a little breath in the middle there, which I really kind of like when it goes into that and halftime he, thing. Very interesting about fortunate son that we learned is we were playing it with a guy who wanted to sing it an octave down. Cause you know, you know, Fogarty has a pretty high voice and uh, we were like, you can't sing it a, 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 a step down, not a step down, a, a, an octave down. Yeah. He wanted to sing it an octave down. There was, no it way. worked. I remember it working. I th- is that right? I thought it didn't work and therefore we moved it like a step or or two down, but we found the top of his, his range. I th- I thought that's what we did. Maybe we did you, you might be right. I, we've tried it a couple of different times in the in the We we started band. in A and it yeah. did and he was trying to sing it, which is the original key. Yeah. We moved it to G and he was still pushing it. And then I think we moved it back to A and he sang it a, a whole octave down oh. and it worked. Bob Levitis, if you're out there verify what's going on here because yeah. uh, as i recall he growled it and he just drove it but even you know fogarty is up there effortlessly he's you know effortlessly and in, you know in the stratosphere i saw him he was part of that whole um studio city 
uh, yeah. movie that Dave Grohl did. And, and then he was part of the tour. And I got to see one of the shows of that tour. I think it was the last one at South by Southwest, but whatever it was in the tour, I got to see it. And Fogarty was there. And he played, you know, Dave had, uh, I don't know, half dozen people that that came and played like three of their hits. And then the one song that they wrote for the movie together and Fogarty played, of course, you know, fortunate song among other, you know, massive hits of his. And uh, and he was I was close enough to the stage to see him playing and the band was tuned to, you know, 440 and he was playing those tunes in their original keys. And this was, you know, two years ago or something. I mean, the fact that that guy can still hit those notes, like, holy yep. crap. Yeah, that's talent, man, or ability. I don't know. It's both. Both? Yeah, it's both. All right, just, just a couple other songs from another couple of lists that I saw. Let's see. Jimi Hendrix, Machine Gun. Huh, yeah. War song. Sure, yeah. Dire, dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Right. Great tune. Yeah, it is. Have you ever played uh, uh, any Dire Straits? Well, I guess we played one Dire Straits song together, so I know the answer is yes. But have you, which was Money for Nothing? Have you played any? I'll others? tell you what. Right now, I'm playing. I just pulled out an acoustic version of uh, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, love it! It's an altered tuning thing. It's really fun to play. Really easy to sing. I mean, it's a, it's you know a really easy register to, to hang out, and so that's pretty good. That's good. I I had the and, pleasure of playing Sultan's a Swing for a, a benefit gig and it was, I don't know the way it was organized where there, there were these kids I was hired kind of as a backline. Um, and, and there were these kids that were guitar students. And so we played tunes that are, you know, just guitar shred tunes. And that was one of them. Sultan's a swing. We played Joe Satriani's uh, surfing with the alien. I mean, there were just some tunes that I would never have had the opportunity to play live. And, uh, and they and they were fun. That that tune especially, Sultan's a Swing. What a great fun fun tune. You need a good band to play that though. Yeah, the the band was great, but none of us in the band. I I, I think the guitar. I guess the guitar player in the band probably could have covered the the leads, but he turned them all over to these kids that, that came up. And these kids were killer. I mean, they were just like graduate graduating from high school age. But man, they had chops. It was good. So you and I have played Money for Nothing. I think the only other one I've played is uh, Dancing by the Pool. Oh. Huh. That's an interesting one to choose. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Nice oh. summer song. Yeah. And then the last two songs on this list, the who won't get fooled again. Fun. Played it. <sighs> no, I don't. Think what? So I don't think I've you've played never it. played the whole drummer orgasm thing in the middle. You haven't done the who won't get fooled again. I don't think so. No, that's amazing to me. Yeah. You and know, then, I have this, I have this problem. I, I, I should be more aggressive about, um, choosing songs that highlight, you know, the, the drums easily like that. But I, I don't, I'm, I'm really am a, despite the fact that I grew up, you know, learning all this technique and, and even still I work on like crazy little exercises to keep my chops up and all that. But I, I don't, um, intentionally go out of my way to say I should shine here, which is probably a bad thing. I mean, it's a good thing in a general sense, but in, in specific little tiny moments, I probably should, you know, push and shine a little more that's a great song to do except for the signature part of that song besides the drum solo is um it's not really a drum solo it's kind of a, a, yeah. a drum highlight inter, interplay yeah. highlight but but uh, it's that scream that takes you out of the interlude part of it and you know there's not many people on earth who can do that adultery scream no. and that's the that's the song so that's the one right yeah right all right 
So that's some Memorial Day songs for people to think about for their lists in the future. I had an idea for something kind of fun to talk about today. Sure. Now that we're 30 minutes in. Yeah, go. Merchandise. Oh. You got stuff you want to sell to our listeners? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not yet, right? Well, maybe. Let's see where we take this. So, that's right. you know, the conversation can go in a few different ways. It's, you know, do you do it to make money? Do you do it for advertising? Do you do it for vanity? I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do over the... 16 years, I've had the House Rockers, I've done four t-shirt runs and definitely intended to break even, but did not on the first two, did on the third one, and I just did the fourth one. And um, to me, it's advertising. It's not about making money. To me, it's just, I, you know, I I want it to spread the word about the band and because we make our money on good gigs. And so the more people come to gigs the more I can kind of control our financial destiny, but we do t-shirts, but I'll tell you one thing that I did do. Uh, We, uh, the shirts that I did two years ago and the shirts I'm doing this year, we're charging 15 bucks a shirt, which is probably high for band shirts, but I buy quality shirts. It still costs. Sure. It costs, you know, like $14 and 83 cents or something like that. But I buy, you know, nice soft cotton shirts that people will enjoy to wear the first couple of times in order to try and sell something at 10 bucks. You know, I bought kind of, you know, a very basic T-shirt thinking it was all a cost thing. And, you know, they, you, you wash them a couple times and they get really, you know, not enjoyable to wear. So I, I did make that choice is to go a little bit higher. We sold them two years ago and broke even. And uh, I just made another order. And uh, I, you know, you know it was about 120 shirts is what is what I'll do because we'll play to some pretty good crowds. And I think we should be able to sell those. Does your group do shirts? We have with this particular band. No, we have never done shirts. I have done them uh, with other outfits in the past in, in different degrees with, with fling we've done. I think the only, I'm trying to think the only thing we've done is stickers. Uh, fling has a killer logo. Russ designed this years ago when the, when the band started. And, um, and so the logo works in a lot of different ways. And so we've, we've got stickers and the cool part about the stickers. And I, I mean, I think the shirts serve this purpose too, is is loyalty right it it's it's the people that come to see the band not only is it advertising from them to others but it's advertising from them to themselves right mm. you, you know you constantly see oh I, i'll wear my you know house rocker shirt or whatever and then like oh i want to go see that band i wear their shirt right i mean there's there's something about us humans that once we've invested in in something we want to see it succeed right you know we all want to back a winning horse And that also means that anything we back, we want to therefore be the winning horse, you know? And so I I think there's, there's that. Plus I like seeing the stickers around. We, um, you know, I'll go into like bathrooms at clubs and see them in there, but there's also stickers. We saw a sticker, a flink sticker on a a Durham cop car once. That was interesting. Yeah. Uh, There's one, I believe still, and we didn't put these on these places. Um, at least not that we would admit. No, no, we didn't. Um, there's one on a post outside at the high school too, that I saw recently. I'm like, Oh, I wonder how that got there. Um, but we should do t-shirts when I was on the road with the clam bake. Uh, we had, uh, you know, a whole run of merchandise. We had t-shirts. Well, of course we had CDs that we were selling at the time. This was mid nineties. So people still bought those things. Um, and it was a mostly original band. And so CDs made sense because people would want to hear the, the tunes that they just heard at the gig. Sure. Uh, You know, and and uh, but there were many nights where merchandise was a big part of our uh, gas money fund, if you will. Um, If we had a night off, 
we would try and get a gig at a coffee house or, you know, some college campus somewhere. And we'd offer to play for free. You know, we'd usually get them to give us something so that they felt like there was a quid pro quo, but we never were into like showing up and saying, you got to give us whatever, you know, 500 bucks or a thousand bucks to play. It was more like, give us a place to play. And it, it served many purposes. One was that it kept us from being bored stiff that night because we didn't have a ton of money. So, you know, if we didn't have a gig, we were kind of just hanging out and doing nothing. Um, mm-hmm. But it also gave us an opportunity to sell merchandise. And I mean, we could play a free gig and walk out of there with 500 bucks cash just from selling all the merch that, uh, that we would go through in a night. And that, that what, made a big difference. What, what was the inventory? What things did you sell? T-shirts and CDs mostly. Uh, I think there were stickers and and other things like that, but it was, it was, you know, the bulk of, of the sales were t-shirts and CDs. Yeah. I just saw a band last week. Uh, I'd never seen them before. They're, they're from not too far from here. They did Bond Scott era ACDC tribute. The singer sounded exactly, it was weird. We could close your eyes, freak you out. I mean, he, he was channeling Bond Scott. They did a series of buttons, which was pretty cool. They handed them to all the servers in the, in the restaurant when they got there, in the bar when they got there, handed them out to all the people who were uh, in the seats and just kind of a nice little icebreaker, you know, just something inexpensive to just give out to people and, and get your brand and, you know, on somebody's body, which was pretty cool. That's a good idea. The buttons. Cause yeah, we do the same with the stickers. I don't think we've ever, maybe we've sold a sticker and fling, but for the most part it's, you know, we just give them away. And you're right. It is a nice icebreaker. You kind of show up and, and hear something cool. But a button. Yeah, you're right. The cost delta isn't that much. Huh. No, it's pretty easy to do. Yeah. And I'm yeah. I'm thinking this year of doing those temporary tattoos. We have this logo that's kind of tattoo like. And so you can get like, you know, once you order a quantity of those, they go down to like 10 cents each or something yeah. like that. So yeah, the, oh, that's a that good might idea. be fun. Yeah. But the best is what you told me, you know, you you told me once a long time ago, about remember I, I said the best advice I ever got was about working the crowd at, at uh, breaks. What you also told me is uh, coasters with uh you know or or napkins that if someone meets somebody at a bar then they want to give a phone number to <laughs> that coasters and napkins at a bar gig is a really useful thing to do to get your brand. I forgot you're, you're a marketing that. genius, Dave. You are a marketing. <laughs> you are the Regis Philbin. <laughs> Yeah, except coasters and napkins don't work anymore. You just text somebody your number. You know, it's, that's it's, true. It, that day has passed. But it at the time, you're right. Yeah, that 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 was a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as long as you like the person that you called, because then there's a positive association with the band's logo, right? Otherwise, bad news. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can only control so much in life. You can only control. Yeah, I guess the message of uh, as long as they're saying my name, it doesn't matter what they're saying is is what you got to go with in in that particular. Now, does it bother you if you play in a project and you're, you know, just a participant in the project? Are you a stickler about the details of creative stuff? Like, do you expect it to have a great website? Do you expect it to have a great logo? Like, are you all about the branding of a band or or do you kind of set that secondary and say, I'll let the music take care of this story? You've known me long enough. What do you think? Of course, I try to be the guy that's just, I'm a hired gun. I'm just here to play the drums. The rest doesn't matter. It's up to you. But how long do you think that actually lasts before I start <laughs> injecting my opinions? And you know what you really should be doing? I don't want to, I, I mean, this is your thing, but maybe if you just thought, you know, yeah, of course. Yeah. I've heard that tone a few times in my past. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I know who I am. I, the, my biggest like that. And that I don't see as a liability usually, although it is because it then gets me involved in more and more, but that's, again, that's not a bad thing. The, my biggest liability is that I know how to do sound. Um, because it's bad enough having to set up the drums 
and then having to take the time. And, and like I said, in fling, we've really worked it out. You know, for the most part, the sound system gets set up while I'm setting up my drums because other people have more time, you know, than I do. Uh, Although the other night that wasn't the case. I got my drum set up and then basically wired all the mics, but we, we set up really fast. It was, it was Mm -hmm. great, but yeah, it's not terrible, but I wish that I could have someone in a band or, or a sound guy that, that is as good as or better than me. And I'm not that great. I really, it's not, it doesn't take much to be better than me at this. I'm just a hack. It's just that I, I tend to be able to learn from my mistakes. And that's not the case with a lot of these kind of sound people that I've run into. Um, some are good. I, I've run into some great ones. Obviously that's where I learned these things from, but it's just frustrating dealing with somebody that just doesn't get it. It's like, okay, get out of the way. Let me get this right. And then we'll go. I, Depending upon what day of the week, it's either a personality flaw or one of your greatest strengths. Mm-hmm. I, and I know that. That's true. And and I've seen you on every day of the week, so I know when it's when. Yep. Yep. That's true. Yeah. It's totally right. Yep. I know. Back to graphics. You know, I actually think it is it is important. I mean, it's very basic branding. You know, you want to present a professional image. You want to, you know, sometimes your card is your first introduction to somebody or your website is your first introduction. And there's a lot of bad band websites out there. I mean, there's, you know, the graphics are terrible. The layouts are terrible. I I actually am not a fan of websites that uh, auto play music as soon as you get there. I think it should be a choice. And that's kind of a, you know, a techie geek thing. But um, yeah, but I'm with you. you know, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think investing, and there are like serv- there are web services out there now that'll do logo designs for you. You can get a professional logo done pretty inexpensively. Start at Fiverr, right? I mean, you get yeah, exactly cheap. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So I, I think it's an important thing, and and you know when it, the end point is when it gets onto T-shirts and stickers and buttons like that. But but branding your band is part of presenting a pr- professional image. It's it's the rare band who cannot have their act together creatively in that way. And still convince people that they're that they're worth money for a private gig or for a corporate gig or, or something like that. You are you are judged by the appearance that you put forward all the time. Yeah, it, the-, the website thing is interesting. I've, I mean, the the, the whole world of the web has evolved, um, and I my feeling, especially in terms of a band website, has sort of evolved with it. Our our fling website at 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 flingrocks dot com is uh, a one pager. It has uh, kind of a video montage of what we've done, uh, a place to sign up for our mailing list, and then links to our videos on YouTube, our Twitter account, which we use very little, actually, and then Facebook. And Facebook is where all our events are posted, and I have a separate events thing on the website that really just links to Facebook because it's easier to do it all in one place, and it works out great. In this day and age, that's all you really need is a one-pager, as long as it's a concise, I mean... you're going to put the uh, the website in the show notes, right? We have a multi-page, you know, so you can put the House Rockers site in there as well. Our, That's uh, our, com. Is that right, Paul? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we have a multi-site, you know, and it covers, the, I think, the essentials, you know, where our gigs are, our demo about the band, um, how to get a hold of us, those types of things. But I think in this day and age where, you know, People don't browse the web out of curiosity as much as they used to because there's so much out there yep. and they're on the web. You want to get your stuff in front of their face pretty quick. I mean, we could do a whole show on just web design tips, which, of course, is near and dear to your heart. And um, it probably would be helpful. But, you know, the whole flow of these things about brand and impact it, website is just another extension of that in the same way that T-shirts are. Yep. So, you know, you got to make yourself look good. You just got to. 
I have I have one I do want to do a show and we got to wrap this up but I I do want to do a show on the uh on the website but I will you know I'll save my question for you until we do that because it's a good question and I think it'll lead us into a great discussion. I'll look forward to that. Yeah. I in fact that's the place to wrap it up. You know before we wrap up I had one listener uh, write to us. They say you know you talk about the gigs that you just played but if we happen to be nearby you either one of you guys you never talk about the gigs that you're about to play. So we can fix that quickly. What are your gigs this weekend, if any? Yep. So we got Thursday, no, no, Friday night. We are in Redwood City, California, playing the Redwood City Courthouse Music Courthouse Square Music Series. 6 p.m. start time, Redwood City, California. Uh, Saturday night, I got a private gig. And then Sunday, 2 p.m., we're at our first art and wine festival, the Walnut Creek, California Wine Festival. We got a 2 p.m. downbeat to play a set till 4 p.m. So I got a busy weekend ahead of me. That's good, man. That's good. I, uh, um, how about you? Yep. I have two gigs. I have, uh, both acoustic Friday night. Um, at the pasta loft in Hampstead, New Hampshire, eight 30 to 11 30, I think. And, uh, that's with monkey fist, which is acoustic chafed. And then Saturday night I'm at the shanty in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, uh, also with monkey fist, but with, uh, our guitar player can't make it. So Russ, the guitar player from fling, is uh is going to be with us so that's a 7:30 gig and then sunday and i would like yeah. I, I would like nothing better than to have someone come up to me at a gig and say hey i listen to the podcast that would blow my mind i know i know <laughs> so that's why we got to keep doing this that's right yep oh sure all right folks feedback at giggabpodcast.com is a great email address that gets to both paul and i so we'll both hear and read what you have to send of course you can leave comments on the website too at giggabpodcast.com And I think with that, we'll go play our gigs and talk about them next week. Take care, Dave. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.